didn't like what I I didn't like <laughs> that I sounded okay. like a horror movie. We need to just do our, our, our spiel. Um, hi. Hello there. I'm Gray. I'm Marcy. I'm a writer. And I'm a reader. And this is... Bookends. What is it, Marcy? It's a literary podcast. And what do we do here? We talk about books and sometimes other media too, but mostly books. Mostly books. Thank you for being with us. Thank I've, you. I've accidentally become a sort of... um like tranquil figure and I didn't mean to do that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it's this hard is, to resist I understand it's I, I'm so close to the microphone that it's really difficult not to just become that figure inherently <laughs> um just sort of slip into that little slip into like a like a second skin but I hated That's that I said that the worst thing you've ever said yeah I know I and I've said a lot like of bad that. things so so great um what is this month's theme, Gray? This month's theme is siblings. Can you guess Aww. why? Because we are siblings. No, I just like them as a concept. Um, oh, okay. It has nothing to do with us at all. Are you related like to me? The, I don't know you. I don't know. It's not like we have essentially you. the same face. No, not at all. It's like in the parent trap when they uh, meet each other for the first time and everyone's like, you look exactly the same. And they're That's like, no, we don't. We they're don't. Like, I don't see the resemblance, Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> I don't see the resemblance, also Lindsay Lohan. So, Marcy, why don't you um, start us off on our rating system on our first, our first sort of criteria? So, we have a six-part rating system. Um, section one of that is enjoyability, kind of self-explanatory, was the book enjoyable did you like it to read um, <laughs> the second one is going to be balance so was it paced well um did the first half of the book feel like the same book as the last half you know is the book written in a way that it feels cohesive rating number three is expectations um this is kind of based off of advertising it's kind of based off of the synopsis you know the thing on the back of the book does did did you feel like the thing you read matched what you read about it? And often this is, this one is not. If this is a low number, this one is often not the fault of the author, but rather the marketing. Just yes, as a little. You know, um, four is writing I'm, style. So like, did you like how it was written? Like it can have other good things about it, and you just hated how it was written, or it could ultimately have no substance, but it was written really well. So we thought that deserved its own category. Um, five is memorability. How long does the book stick with you or does it just dissolve into nothingness like many of our memories do? Number six is believability. Not necessarily was it realistic, but based on the rules laid out in the universe of the book, do the things that happened make sense to have happened? Are there plot holes? Do the characters make decisions that a real person might make? And then those are all rated one out of five. And then our final category is just yes or no. Would you recommend this book? And then we have our our like real rating, which is all of those small numbers averaged out. So that's what we would be putting, for example, on Goodreads. How's life going for you, Gray? Any updates? Well. You started school. I did start school. I am now at school. Um, 
second year of school, but a new school, which new is state, new region, new school, new region, new area, gray. new gray, not new hair. I do need a haircut. I went to the fair yesterday. That was a lot of fun. Did you see any animals at the fair? I did. I actually saw um, some cows that my friends and I started to pet, and then someone came and yelled at us and said we couldn't pet them, even though there were no signs saying we couldn't be around there. So I like, believe that's that on all you. animals at the fair are fair game to be pet. <laughs> fair game? <laughs> I think they should have put signs up. I was salty that they were like, you can't be in here. And it's like, but we are, but everyone else is also in here. So, um what's the truth but we got to pet one cow before getting yelled at and then there was a whole room of like chickens and pigeons and rabbits and i saw the biggest rabbit i've ever seen in my entire life it was ginormous and it was only nine months old and i'm still thinking about it and i kind of want to own one a little bit i want it okay i've never had i'd never had bubble tea or boba tea whatever you call it and so I was like, okay, I'll go get some. That's fine. It was $6 for one medium-sized cup of boba tea, which is already ridiculous. But I was like, fine. Apparently, it's supposed to be really good, whatever. It was horrible. Oh, my God. I hate boba. I know that's no, like no, no, a hot not, take, but I hate like, boba. I know. I know. But it's it wasn't just that boba is bad and I don't like boba. Other people had my drink because I was like, what is wrong with this? And people around me who enjoyed boba were like, that tapioca is, like, expired or something. I mean, to be fair, you did get bubble tea from a state fair. Yeah, that one's kind of on me, but I'm still mad about it. Yeah, so. I don't know if that is necessary. I think that reflects more on you. Than, than it, it does, does on the state fair? No, than on bubble tea. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah, this was not Bubba, Bub, Boba Tea's fault at all. This was the fault of the state fair and also myself, my hubris. But, you know... You asked me a, a casual question about how I've been doing, and I decided to talk about the fair for 20 minutes. So That's how are fine. you, Marcy? <laughs> um, I'm good. I have three days off of work. I feel like I'm on vacation. I'm also getting bored, and I go back tomorrow, and I'm in that place where it's like, I don't want to go back to work, but I'm also kind of bored of being at home. So eh. I was about to ask why you had three days off of work, and then I remember it's that it's late Labor Day. day. Yeah. Labor Day is Labor the Day. The highlight of my weekend was that last night, um, I was flipping through channels because I have cable for the first time in a really long time. And it's just like a weird liminal space to be sitting on the couch flipping through channels, you know? Mm-hmm. And we came across Boomerang, which I didn't realize we got. And that was kind of exciting. But we were watching Tom and Jerry. Just being like, oh my God, how cute and nostalgic. And my cat, Zeus, noticed that Tom and Jerry was on. And he got up from his little bed where he was sleeping and ran over to the TV and sat in front of it and watched the entire episode. I literally love that so much. So that's exciting. That's maybe the best thing I've so, ever heard. Shall we get into the segments for the day? Um, Yes, we may. So the first segment of the day, because we are doing our siblings theme, my first segment is going to be about siblings. I'm very excited about this segment. Um. So backstory is that I am obsessed with all personality type things, quizzes, guides, books. I love them all. Me and my friend group from home have spent an inordinate amount of time typing ourselves and each other and discussing at length our types. Um, I love Myers-Briggs. I love, I don't even know, 
I just love them all. So, and the one I love the most, especially right now, is the Enneagram. If you are a white girl, you probably know about the Enneagram. <laughs> um, although it has deeper roots than that. Um, but I'm really into the Enneagram. It is my favorite personality type I have found so far because I I like how in-depth it is. I like that it has like this spiritual component that a lot of personality types don't have. Anyway, today we are going to be talking about the Enneagram types of one of my favorite fictional families, the Cullens. Oh my God. Bum, 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 bum. Oh my God. So Now this is exciting for me because I very, re- well, relatively recently watched recent, Twilight. Considering pretty the last recently. time I watched Twilight, I was maybe 16. So Yeah. So like two months ago, maybe I watched Twilight for the first time. And then I also watched, what's the second one? New Moon. New Moon. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't seen any more after that, so my opinions that I've formed, unfortunately, about the franchise are based entirely off of the first two, so <laughs> keep that in mind. I read all of the books like eight times while I was in middle school. I watched all the movies avidly. I did that thing where I loved it so much when it first came out, and then by the time the last movie came out, I was like too old for it or whatever because people had started making fun of it the way they always make fun of things that teenage girls like. It's trash, but it's amazing. We all know how it is. Currently, I feel like there's a lot of discourse going on about Twilight online, and it's all gold, and I love all of it. So I wanted to add to It's like all of us read it when we were young and couldn't think about it critically, and then we're now mm-hmm. all looking back at it and being like, oh, my God, <laughs> let's talk. <laughs> now let us let us discuss. Like, let's discuss how this could have been better. Let's discuss all the headcanons that we've been keeping to ourselves this whole time. And I'm really appreciating it. So I thought I would add to that. And we are going to type the colon siblings. I left out Carlisle and what's her name? Esme? No. Okay. Yeah. Well, I left out the parents of the family because we're focusing on siblings. Although I feel like I know what theirs would be, but we're not going to talk about it. It's fine. Is Esme the... She's a mom. mom. Yeah. Because, okay, because that's fine. Bella names their kid Renesme, which is a mashup of her mom's name and Esme's name. Hmm. Unfortunate. It's pretty unfortunate. Yeah, we all know it's, it's we all know it's bad. It's fine. So if you don't know anything about the Enneagram, there's like books and books written about this. It was very <laughs> if you don't know anything about the Enneagram, you're gonna. You're gonna now. Um, so my caveat is that what I'm doing is really superficial. It's hard to type fictional characters because the Enneagram is a really in-depth thing and you don't often get enough substance from fictional characters to be able to like discuss their most basic fears and urges, but I tried my best. So the Enneagram is, if you've ever seen it, it looks a little bit satanic. It's kind of weird. It's not a pentagram. It is an Enneagram, meaning it has nine points. So it's like a circle that has like lines through it that make nine points. And each oh my God, point, is that why it's called that? Yeah. Enneagram <gasps> is a shape in geometry. Oh my God. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. I'm so stupid. So each of those points is a number um, with nine being at the top. And then it just goes all the way around like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, um, which I kind of like because there's no positive or negative connotations with it just being numbers. Like you can't like like well i'm a three so i'm better than you because three means nothing you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and then each number also has a wing so i am a one wing two 
meaning I my main Enneagram is a one, but almost everyone has a wing. So they have some aspects of the numbers around them. So as a one, you could either be a wing nine, which is a number to the left, or a wing two, which is a number to the right, if that makes sense. Are you following? Me? Yes. I mean, I already know this, so yes. Well, I'm explaining it to you as if you don't. Oh. So, yeah. Each so, yeah. number um, obviously is like a personality type. So they have, you know, characteristics that are typical of that number. What I think is cool about the Enneagram is that it also has a direction of growth and a direction of stress. So essentially, like when you are healthy, you move in this direction versus when you are unhealthy, you move in this direction, which I think leaves room for the fact that people fluctuate throughout their lives. Mm -hmm. Uh, Your number doesn't change, but maybe how you are like what you are showing the world changes based on how healthy or unhealthy you are, which I think is helpful because sometimes you don't look like your number because you're too unhealthy to look like your number, if that makes sense. Um, Another thing about the Enneagram is that it includes basic fears and desires. Um, So, like, these are kind of, like, the things that drive you. So it's not that, like, only this type can be good at this job. It's, like, these different types will be good at the same job, but because they have different motivations based off their different fears and desires. So it's a little less restrictive than other personality Mm -hmm. types which i like but it's somehow less restrictive but more in depth yeah well i mean i think it it leaves a lot more room for the fact that people are all different like there's no like introverted extroverted on the enneagram you can be an introvert and extrovert with any of the numbers Mm -hmm. you know those things are secondary the enneagram is more about your motivations and how like the way you see the world versus what you actually do. Um, the problem with Twilight is that we get a frick ton about Edward and like a good bit about Alice because she ends up being closest to Bella of the siblings and then not that much about the rest of the siblings. So for some of these, I'm kind of grasping at straws because <laughs> there's just not a lot of substance, which this has always been my biggest critique of Stephanie Meyer is that Edward was the most boring sibling to have written a book about. Like, I don't care about his life. He died of a communicable illness. So did everyone (laughs) else ever. It's not exciting. He's not an exciting person. He's not special. He's not special. Like, let's talk about Rosalie, who vengefully killed the man who was engaged to her and then murdered her. That's a good story. Let's talk about Jasper, who was a soldier in the Civil War and then led a vampire army. That's a good story. We are all angry. I digress. Um, it's funny that I say Edward is the most boring because he's the same type as me. <laughs> nice. Somehow that makes sense. Somehow that makes sense. I typed Edward as a one wing too. Um, I really struggled with all of their wings because it like wings are very nuanced and they're book characters. And so it's hard to have that amount of nuance when it's not a real person. So the reason I gave him a wing two is because two is like the very caring, like helping perceptive of people type. And he can read minds. And I was like, I guess... You were like, that's close enough. That's close enough because he doesn't really fit neatly into either of the wings. So I just kind of handed it to him. I don't feel strongly about the wing two, but I do feel strongly you said here. about him being a one. Because this is from the Enneagram Institute website. 
Ones are, quote, the rational, idealistic type, principled, purposeful, self-controlled, and perfectionistic. And if that don't sound like Edward, I don't know what does. So let me break this down. Edward is a vampire who feels constantly and horrifically guilty about being a vampire, who is constantly repressing his hunger and his anger and essentially all negative feelings because he sees them as being morally wrong, right? He like hates himself because he's a vampire because he has bad urges. Like you see in New Moon when he literally leaves Bella to go be in the Arctic wilderness or whatever. Hey, hey, um really quick. Yeah. That movie didn't have a plot. No, it did not, nor did the book. <laughs> like I, I watched this movie with my friend who also read all of these books obsessively when they were first, you know, happening. Um, and I was like, she was like, no, we have to watch the second one. And I was like, okay, well, what's the second one about? And she was like, I don't know. It's not about and I was like, It's about nothing. It, it could I, never have happened and it would have been fine. Yeah. Anyway, <clears throat> whatever. Moving on. So one's basic fear is of being corrupt and evil. And their basic desire yeah. to be good, to have integrity, and to be balanced. And that is just, like, the struggle that so, you see exactly. Edward going through literally the entire series. Like, that's all he yeah. wants is to be good. He's also really obsessed with morality, um, which we also see in the fact that he, like, refuses to sleep with Bella until they're married. And it's, like, he's, like, I'm just from a different time, Bella. But, no, it's because you're the morality police, Edward. We all know. Oh so this is also from the Enneagram website. When moving in their direction of disintegration, stress, methodical ones suddenly become moody and irrational as fours, which is exactly what he does. He goes from being like a very rational person to being super moody and weird and running off into the Arctic wilderness, as I said. Um, Did he literally go to the Arctic wilderness? He literally just like, I don't know, went to Canada or something. I I haven't read the book since I was maybe 14. Fair enough. I sure do remember this. It was shocking, upsetting. Um, when they are healthy, they move towards sevens, which means they're more spontaneous and joyful, which I think we finally see in the very last book after Bella's been turned, kind of after things have settled down, even though there's still danger going on. Like, I think he's able to become a little bit more carefree than he has been in the past because he's typically very rigid. So another thing about the Enneagram is that it has these things called passions and ego fixations, which is essentially like there's a lot to it, but think of it kind of as like a liability of your number. And the one's passion is anger and their ego fixation mm. is resentment, which ones handle anger by repressing anger, which I definitely think Edward does. But he is also really full of resentment. Like the way he, yeah. like he holds a grudge, like him versus Jacob. He d- It didn't have to be that way. He chose to hold on to that resentment because that's how he processed it as a one I think so they also strive after higher values like they're very much about morality at like to the point of personal sacrifice which is his whole thing with holding back from drinking human blood and holding back from being with Bella for a while and like once again leaving her a new moon so yeah so it always comes back to new moon it comes back to I just think new moon is where he had a breakdown so it's like the, yeah, that's the Enneagram true. is you see your number the most when you are unhealthy. So like when people that's break interesting. is really when you see what number they are. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Da, 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 da. 
Um, quote, again, from the website, because the Enneagram Institute is great. In the effort to stay true to their principles, ones resist being affected by their instinctual drives, consciously not giving into them or expressing them too freely. The result is a personality type that has problems with repression, resistance, and aggression. Love that. He's love a, that for us. He's a vegetarian vampire who fell in love with a girl who smells really good. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think that if any of the other ones had fallen in love with her, like, I think he's the only one that was safe for her, you know, because he is so capable of controlling himself. Um, But. Just a little analysis. Just a little. A little unrelated to the Enneagram. He was by far the easiest one to type. Maybe it's also because I understand ones really well because I am. A I was about one. to say he is also your type, yeah. so that's I am also a a a one wing too. So I think it was easier for me to be like, "Dude, you're being a one right now." Do you repress your anger like Edward Cullen? I think I do. Yeah. Really? I mean, I mean, but okay. So the thing is, anger doesn't necessarily mean like, "Oh, I'm angry." It can also be for ones like righteous anger. Like you know me, I'm all about social mm. justice and like. I get upset when I see others being mistreated. That is a characteristic of a one wing too. Interesting. So it's like the anger is not necessarily from me. It can also be about something else. I see. So now you said earlier, um, ego, what was it? Ego fixation. Mm-hmm. Can you explain a little more what exactly that phrase means? Because I hadn't heard that. I'd heard the yeah. passions before. So the traditional Enneagram is like an older concept, like hundreds of years older and then like rediscovered. It's been used by monks for like centuries and then it's been like changed and added on to with modern psychology. So this is a holdover from sort of that more spiritual side of the Enneagram. Um, so there's kind of these three things. They're called the passions, the holy ideas, and the ego fixations. And they represent kind of like like head heart and like instincts sort of it's it's very hard to like describe succinctly and I don't fully understand it but essentially the passions um are like like I said they're kind of like the liabilities so like one is anger two is pride three is deceit four is envy there's also virtues Hmm. like one is serenity two is humility three is truthfulness um and then the ego fixations are kind of like in your like bodily like worldly way the thing that you fixate on and like it's sort of like the fulfillment of the passion does that make sense Uh, okay so his His passion is anger his ego fixation the fulfillment of that passion is resentment okay does that make sense okay yes so like it just makes me curious for for like a four the passion is envy (gasps) god that's me and the ego fixation is melancholy yeah. yeah so that that makes sense right yeah, yeah. you didn't have to come for me well you yeah. asked what is mine <laughs> i know and i said what yours is <laughs> and i regret the answer i know anyway. i know okay so there's edward does that i feel like edward i feel really confident about his i believe so. you i mean i i don't know enough about twilight to dispute any of these anyway <laughs> But that one, I'm like, having seen two movies, that makes perfect yes. sense to me. Well, you saw the two most important ones, I think. So, Fair enough. As far as Edward's character. Moving on to Alice, whomst I love. Um, whomst you love. Alice, I had a little bit of trouble with. Um, she seems like a seven because she's really carefree. But I finally settled on a nine wing eight. Once again, I had a really hard time with her wing. I don't know if she really has a wing. Um, but I just picked the eight because they're a little bit more assertive. 
Um, and she doesn't have an issue necessarily with speaking her mind. So a nine is easygoing, self-effacing. They're receptive, reassuring, agreeable, complacent. They are the peacekeepers. That is their title. And I think that she really is that. Like she wants there to be harmony within her family. She wants there to be harmony with Bella once she comes into the family. And she tries everything she can to like make people work together well, you know? Um, she's mm-hmm. able to keep a hand in all of their relationships and maintain balanced relationships with all of them, even when there's conflict between them. And you can tell when there is conflict between them, she wants to like resolve it. Um, I think that also makes sense with her power, which is seeing in the future, but not like the set in stone future, the future based on people's current paths, because it gives her a place to step in and prevent conflict and make peace in the future. So yeah, but I really feel like she is a nine. Um, so, quote, here we go. When moving in directions of stress, complacent nines suddenly become anxious and worried like a six. However, when moving in the direction of growth, um, they become more self-developing and interjected. In, interjected? Interjected? In, interjected. Energetic. <laughs> like threes. <laughs> they are accepting, trusting, stable. They are creative, optimistic, and supportive. Um, they want to create harmony is kind of their big thing. And that really feels true for Alice. She just is like, everyone loves her. Like, she's just nice. Like, she's just like fun and sweet and positive and tries to help people and is there for her friends and family. Yeah. Like I said, I picked her wing, wing eight, because wing eights are a little more assertive than wing ones. And she's not like timid, you know? She's not a timid nine. She's not like a, she's confident in herself. I think that's something that all of them kind of colored how I selected them was they're all confident because they're vampires and they have to be, you know? I would like to see a non-confident vampire. Give the people what we want. And that is a non-confident low se- vampire with low self-esteem who's introverted and just sick of it. Oh God. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> They move on to Jasper, who is my personal favorite. I love him. And that's really interesting to me. Does he have more of a personality in the book? No, because he has in the no movie, it was like, he's racist. The thing that, that I like in the book about him is his backstory. And also, he's immediately nice to Bella. Like, he's okay. much more like accepting of her than the other ones are. Um, kind of early yeah, they, I don't think they showed that yeah. in the movie. The movie, it was like, Alice is like, here's my racist dead oh boyfriend. My God. <laughs> And we were like, cool. Yeah, no, he's kind of more like, he never gets close with Bella necessarily, but he is, I just remember having a positive impression of him. Like, he's more willing, and I'm going to get to it, I think it's because of Enneagram number, to accept her into the family. Um, Even if he's not overly friendly, he, I don't know, he understands that because she's important to Edward, that he should be, like, nice and welcoming to that. You know, Fair enough. Um, he's also very protective of his family at the same time. So it's kind of balancing those two things. But he, I believe, is a six wing five, which is the defender. So his basic fear would be being without support and guidance. And his basic desire is to have security and support, which makes sense. Um, sixes are really prone to anxiety. That's kind of their big thing more than any other type, which seems a little weird because he comes across across he comes across as really chill. Like he's very level, but I think it's because he's over a hundred, whatever years old and he has learned to control it, which that is something about the 
Enneagram is that like as you get older, you learn how to handle the negative parts of your number and like mitigate that. You know, so like a younger six would show a lot more anxiety than an older six, assuming an older six was trying to grow. And I think that is what he has done. Like he has learned to overcome his anxiety. Um, But I don't know. I had a hard time with him. His like special power is being able to sense and somewhat influence emotions. And so that makes you want to put him as a two because twos are very emotional or maybe even a four because they're in that kind of emotion center. But then like he's not an emotional person. And so like I didn't want to base his number off of just his power, you know. Mm-hmm. It, his power doesn't super fit in with his number because it, like I said, it's a book that wasn't written based off of real people or the Enneagram. So it's not going to fit perfectly. Sorry. But I kind of, I don't know. I struggle with thinking he was a three because he really thrives in structure and achievement. Like he worked his way up through the military. And then when he was turned to vampire, he made his own military or whatever. Um, And then I also thought maybe a nine because he's kind of passive and he like wants to keep peace within his family. But I finally settled on a six because he is really about like loyalty I think in the end, like he was loyal to the cause and that's something of sixes. They're not only loyal to people, but loyal to causes and concepts. He was really loyal to the cause of the army that he was in and fighting the civil war. And then he was really loyal to the cause of being a vampire in the beginning to the point of doing things that were morally horrendous, um, like murder, like a lot of murder. And then once that wasn't fulfilling for him, he had to find something else to be loyal to. And he found it in his new family, even though it's hard for him because he really struggles with being a vegetarian or whatever. He is his loyalty to his family is greater than his loyal, like greater than his own needs, essentially. Was he the young? He wasn't like the youngest. No, I think he was. Emmett was the young. He is actually one of the oldest, Jasper. In the movie, they made it seem like he was very new to this I whole vampire thing, and that's why he could control himself. He's new to the not eating humans thing, but he's okay. not. The he's one of the oldest like vampires, though, because he was turned in like the 1860s. I just think he's a six because sixes will like quote go down with the ship. You know what I mean? Like they're so mm-hmm. loyal um, that like they won't question authority, which is essentially what he did following Maria around creating this vampire army like he didn't question her or her motives because she's the one who was there right when he was turned and who gave him this cause to be a part of again so that's sort of where I landed with him he's a little hard to pin down to be honest because we don't get too much from him like he's mostly just there so that Alice can have someone (laughs) like at the end of the day yeah so Moving on to Rosalie, which you don't remember anything about Rosalie, right? She's blonde, and I think she's with Emmett, and everyone thinks that there's, I mean, everyone is like, look at that incest family. Yeah, no. That's all I remember about her. She is, like, supposedly Jasper's sister, like, like their cover story, because they're both blonde. They're actually siblings. Uh, That's how being related works. I don't know. Anyway, they have the same last name. Anyway, so I think Rosalie, so Rosalie's backstory is that she has always been incredibly beautiful, very vain. Um, All she wanted was to like have a husband and kids and like do that in like the 20s, 
to 40s. I don't remember the year. I think the 20s. Um, And she was engaged to a man and he basically ended up murdering her and thinking it was kind of funny or tried to murder her. Carlisle saved her the last minute. She then came back. This is so badass. She came back as a vampire, right? Dressed in her wedding gown like she was a ghost and went and murdered him. Oh my God. Yeah. So murder's bad, murder's bad, but her story, excellent. All I have to say. (laughs) So she's strong. She's not afraid to get what she wants. She's beautiful and she knows it. And she can come across as very like abrasive and like people don't like her, which I think is annoying because all I'm saying is that when men are like that, we think they're amazing, but whatever. Oh, you mean like other people, like people in the books don't like like her or like readers don't like like her? her. Yeah. Because she's a really strong, confident person. So I pegged her as a type eight. I thought for a little while she might be a three because threes are very concerned with image and they tend to be vain. But I thought about Mm. it more. And even though she admits that she lived kind of superficially, I don't think that vanity is her main point. I think people think she's vain because she's beautiful, but I think she recognizes beauty as a form of power. And that is very much an eight thing to do. Like, I don't think she was vain because she cared other people thought about her. I think she was vain because she knew that in the 1920s, the only way she'd have agency over her life was that she took advantage of her looks to make her life turn out how she wanted it to be. Does that make sense? No, that doesn't make sense. Eights Um, are the challenger. They're powerful, dominating, self-confident, decisive, willful, and confrontational, which she is like super mean (laughs) the whole book. (laughs) And eights I know aren't mean necessarily, but they are very much like, we have opinions and we're going to let you know what our opinions are. And I'm not saying it to be mean. I'm just saying it because it's my opinion. And that's how she is. Like, she never warms up to Bella, really. She never warms up to her being in the family. She lets everyone know how she's thinking at all times, does not care how it affects other people, and she's not doing it mean. That's just how she is. She never warms no. up to Bella? She never no. likes Bella. She is loyal to Edward. Like, she cares about her family, so she kind of puts things aside at times because she cares about him, but they're never friends. I see. So an eight's basic fear, and this makes so much sense if you think about how she died, is of being harmed or controlled by others, and their basic desire is to protect themselves and be in control of their own life and destiny. Pretty in-depth yeah, analysis of Rosalie. I, I've there. always had a soft spot for Rosalie. I think she wasn't treated right. That's fair. So, um, when they're unhealthy, they move towards being secretive and fearful. When they are healthy, they become... Um, they go from being lustful and controlling to being open-hearted and caring. I don't think we ever see that in the book. (laughs) She really likes the baby when the baby's born. And I think that's maybe the only place where we see it. That and the fact that she really loves Emmett. But they also talk about how her and Emmett's relationship is very physical. And all I'm saying is that an eights, um, where is it? I lost my graph. An eights passion is lust. So... But their ego fixation is vengeance, which Rosalie's really into. So, yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. I get it. So I get, I get why she's vengeful, but she's really vengeful. 
So. Anyway, that's Rosalie. Finally, we have Emmett. Emmett was the easiest to type, maybe because we got the least about him. Because he is just, like, this happy-go-lucky frat boy who just, like, wants to have fun and, like, destroy things. (laughs) So, he's a seven. Probably a seven wing eight because, like I said, he's more assertive. We have a lot of wing eights because eights are really assertive and they're all really like self confident and are vampires. So, whatever. Fair enough. But sevens basically just like love life. Like they're your fun loving friend. They like want to have as much fun as they possibly can. They enjoy life. They enjoy their surroundings. Um, they're passionate. Isn't seven basically like they're the, the party, party goer? Yeah. Their passion is gluttony and not just for food, like gluttony for everything. Like they overindulge. That's their big thing whatever mm. makes them happy they overindulge in um and their ego fixation is actually planning which isn't necessarily negative but i think about the sevens that i know in my life and that is like they are the planners of the friend group they're the ones who say all right guys we're going to get together we're going to do this amazing thing we're going to have so much fun it's going to be great i see you all there please rsvp like that's who they are people. do you think i don't know if emmett does that because he's also a man so you have to balance I like, like the, the socialization the aspects of men versus women will present Enneagram numbers differently. Fair um, enough. I was kind of making a little, little jokey question, but you <laughs> so gave me sorry. a real answer. And, like um, and also, we just don't get that much from him. Like, he's honestly just, like, the hot buff foil to Rosalie. The most I know about him is that he, that um, I was told by my friend that later, um, Emmett to Edward is like, why won't you have sex with Bella? And Edward's like, I don't want to. And he's like, smash it, bro. Yeah, that's like that's him like as it. a person. Like that really sums it up. He just wants to have fun. His basic fear is of being deprived and in pain, and his basic desire is to be satisfied and content. So fair enough. Which, like, all right, bro. So that's it. That's all of the Colin siblings. It was really fun to do. I really liked that segment. I can... It's gonna be hard not to do that every week. I can tell that you had a lot of fun because I was way more in-depth than I was expecting it to be, quite honestly. It was so easy to go too far. So, Gray, what do we read this week? We read Far From the Tree by Robin Benway. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Um, I can read you the synopsis. Please do. All right. Grace, Maya, and Joaquin are siblings who are unaware of one another's existence until Grace gives up her own child for adoption and feels compelled to seek out her biological family. Maya, Grace's loudmouthed younger sister, is quick to search for traces of herself among her bio-siblings, but she's not quite sure where it is that she belongs. And Joaquin, their stoic older brother, never found a family. In Joaquin's life, there are no heroes, and secrets are best kept close to the vest where they can't hurt anyone but him. Can these strangers conquer their fears, share their hearts, and trust in each other enough to become a family? And that is Far From the Tree by Robin Binway. And we're back. Okay, so, this book. I really enjoyed it, which... I don't know. I don't know if I was expecting not to. Like, I don't know why I was surprised because I wasn't like, I'm not going to like this book considering I literally picked it. Um, But this book I did indeed enjoy, which is why I gave it a four out of five, which is pretty good considering our three is just a generic like. 
Yeah, no, I agree with a four out of five on that because, like, a three would be like, I liked the book, but I more than liked the book. I really liked the book. Yeah, you know? five is like, this changed my life, and it, I don't think it changed my yeah, life. Yeah, it didn't change my life, but I think it was definitely a four. Part of my enjoyability rating is, for me, the pickup, the the urge to pick it up when I'm not reading it, and I felt that with this book, which I don't necessarily always feel at all points in a book with, like, a three. Mm-hmm. But I do feel it with a four. But it wasn't like a five where it was like I couldn't function because I wanted to read the book so bad. Yeah. Where you're like, you're just thinking about the characters all day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I had a fun time reading this book. Um, I thought it was compassionate. I thought it was really, um, I thought it was surprisingly funny considering yeah, it, it deals was with funny. teen pregnancy and adoption and a lot of serious topics. But it was like fun. Like the characters are funny. Yeah. Um. So it like she it struck wasn't a good balance of like it being lighthearted. Yeah, for sure. Which is um pretty different from last week's book. Good um, God, these books could not be more different. They really couldn't. But that's the fun of it all. Yeah, I thought that it was just it was fun to read. I thought it was fun. I thought it was good. Yeah. No, I really enjoyed it. Like it was just like a really. Calling it cute isn't the right word. Yeah, it wasn't cute, but it was, like... It was heartwarming. Yeah. Yeah, I think maybe that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yeah, because, um, I mean, the book is literally about um, this girl, Grace, gets pregnant and puts her child up for adoption and decides that she wants to get in contact with her biological family that she has never met before. Because uh, she's also was adopted, and so like it's heartwarming considering the whole thing is about siblings and about family and like who you consider your family and those connections that you make, um, and like they are siblings, so they do sibling related things and act kind of funny, and so there was that like lightheartedness to it. I thought that was, I thought that was good. I think if it had been more heavy than it was, I might not have. I don't know if I would have. Maybe I would have enjoyed it the same, but. It'd be a very different it. book if it yeah. was everything that happened and more than just like what the synopsis says happens in the book. Like a lot of stuff goes down for these kids. Like yeah. this is a really seminal moment in all of their lives for more than just the fact that they're meeting their biological parents for the first time. Like all three of them go through a life changing event during the course of the book. And it's like they're learning how to trust essentially strangers with that. Yeah. And, like, how sure. to be a family with that. And all the main characters are, like, lovable. They are lovable. You know? Oh, my God. I love them all. Oh, my. It's been a long time since I've read a book where I really am just, like, sweet baby angel about every single Aww. character. Yeah, I didn't have, like, sometimes this book is um, has three different point of view characters. So each, uh, like, the chapters will go uh, Grace, Maya, Joaquin um, in, in order. And... Sometimes when you read books that are split up like that, you have one character you're, where you're like, ugh, I don't really care about your Yeah, like you read one and you're one. like, you're not my favorite. You're not my favorite. I don't really care. I'm more interested in so-and-so. But I didn't feel like that with this. Like, I found a reason to like all of their points of views, you know. And to, yeah, every and single like chapter change would be a new point of view. I would be sad that I wasn't reading the old point of view anymore. And then by mm-hmm. the end of the next chapter, I'd be sad about that character that I wasn't reading their point of view anymore. And also, like, the characters felt distinct, but 
like siblings. Yeah, they had some of the same um, like tendencies. Like they obviously yeah, were all different people. Yeah, but they were also all similar, which is how siblings are. And it was also really interesting to me that the um, like there were things that just like thoughts that they would have that would kind of mirror each other. Um, and they wouldn't know that it did because they weren't in each other's thoughts, but like you as the reader, like there's this whole thing about feeling untethered from anything. And that's mentioned by all of the point of view characters in a different scenario, um, completely removed of the other characters, or like, not the other characters, but the other siblings. Like some, and they all have that same thought. Some references will be carried yeah. between, like there's an Alice in Wonderland reference that's yeah, made. Yeah, I like, wrote that one down too. Yeah, in like all of their chapters, and they never talk about it, but yeah. it affected all of them, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I I really liked them. Um, I also liked outside of the main point of view characters. I liked the background characters, Raph, Raphael. Ra- Raph or Raffi? Um, I don't. I didn't know how to pronounce his nickname. Yeah, I, I, like, I can say Raphael, but R A F E. Yeah, because that could be Raph or Raffi. Raffi. But Raffi, I was saying Raph in my head, like the first part of Raphael. Maybe I'm wrong. No, I liked him a lot. I liked Joaquin's foster parents. I liked Maya's uh, sister Lauren. Mm-hmm. Like I thought Grace's parents were. Not the most interesting of the parents, but they were good parents, I think. Yeah, they were just parents. Yeah, they were just, they were good parents. I don't know, I liked them. I liked Joaquin's therapist. I did, I wrote that down. I did like the portrayal of like therapy and like counseling. (laughs) Yeah, by the end of the book, they are all in therapy. Yeah, every of the, every one of the characters is in therapy. And, and, but there's never like a, haha, that's so funny. We're all, we all need help or whatever. Like it wasn't treated like they're all like crazy or something. So they all need help, but treated like they all have issues because everyone has issues. Yeah. And so they needed to be in therapy, you know, which is true. Like everyone could benefit from therapy. But like I liked that the author never made it. No one ever treated it necessarily as like a shameful thing, I think. Or if they thought that at first they learned like, oh, this is actually helpful. (laughs) (laughs) So there wasn't that implicit shame that a lot of books will have that. Like a lot of books you read it and the main character is like, I'm in therapy, but I'm ashamed of it. I can never tell anyone. And it makes the reader feel like that's how they're supposed to feel about therapy too you know mm-hmm. if that makes sense yeah but all that to say I didn't feel that in this book and I did like that yeah how do you feel Let's about see. balance oh yes so for balance I gave it a 3.75 because the way the book is sort of structured is it has the the three point of view characters and the three chapters or them whatever at the very beginning of the book there's a part there's like a section heading and it says falling and the second one is landing. And I had forgotten while I was halfway through the book that that was technically part one of the book. Yeah, I did that too. I, I was and picking it back when we hit a section. I was like, we were in a section? I thought I was just reading a book. Like, I didn't yeah. think about subsections at all. Yeah. And I feel like that kind of threw me off a little bit. Yeah, it either needed um, to be utilized more or gotten rid of, I think. Yeah, and like, it was a sweet sentiment, like they're falling and like landing they're recognizing you know at the end of all of this that they have people to help them like you know mm-hmm. but like I feel like it could have been a little more prevalent for the book but I think it was not unbalanced necessarily as a book so I didn't want to give it like a two or something yeah that's kind of how I felt was it was like it was good which is a three like it didn't do anything to be like wow they like the author wasn't didn't like handle something so incredibly well that 
it felt like it was exceptionally balanced. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I Well, I think that the reason mine's a 3.75 is because originally it was a 4 because I feel like when you're actually reading the content and you're looking at the like the conflicts that they're going through and where the climax is and whatever, it feels balanced. But then that one thing throws me off enough that I took points off for that, basically. So my balance rating is a 3.75. Is yours? What's yours? Mine's just a 3. I don't do just a three. I don't do partial points. Really? I don't know why. I just it never occurs to me to do partial points. Fair enough. So I just This is my first time using <laughs> point just, seven five I'm instead just, of point five. So. Well yeah, point seven five is a really weird partial point to do because when you well, put it in the I average think it it's was, not going to matter. I didn't think it was gonna I don't know. If, I it, just if it, it feels right, it feels right. It's okay. Fair enough. This is the difference between um, us. Yeah. <laughs> expectations 3.5 i give it a four really yeah well it was just um more substantial than i expected it to be kind of based on like the genre essentially uh um, we have some 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 genre critique here yeah well no i mean it's just the implicit i don't mean that to be a mean i just mean like it i thought it was gonna be a little bit cuter than it was and instead, it was like really touching, and so it exceeded my expectations in that way. My expectations were exceeded enough that it was above a three, but like reading the synopsis again, as we just did, mm-hmm. um, I don't think the synopsis did it justice. I guess like the synopsis was not. It didn't. I kind of felt like that. Like that's why I kind of gave it a four, is because I felt like the th- the synopsis made it seem smaller than it was. Yeah, for sure. And so that affected like yeah. Even though my my expectations were that it was gonna be, you know, a little bit smaller than it was, that still like messed with me as I was reading it. I was like, oh, oh gosh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh geez. <laughs> so I gave it three point five. Um, for writing style, I gave it a four. I really I liked the writing. I thought it was. Like, there's a specific, this is not necessarily directly related to the writing style, but I did think that there was, there were several different parts in the book where it referred to the siblings as bookends, and I was like, oh, that's us. Oh, my God. I feel like, personally, it worked well already, the book, but I think it would have worked better if it had been in first person. I don't know. I felt... Mm. Really? Yeah, these are the things I would never think about as just like a casual reader. I never think about first versus third person. Like I, I it never crosses my mind as an option. It's just like this is how the story was told. Yeah, I, I don't know, but I can see how I, yeah. I feel like that would make sense because a lot of a lot of it is just them yeah. talking about their feelings. And I mean, and maybe the author, things. and I know as like a writer with my current project like i first wrote it in third person and i was like oh god this is not working and the moment i switched it to first person i was like okay that was the problem and so maybe this author first wrote it in first person it wasn't working and decided to change it i don't know what um binway's process is so maybe this is the best version of it but um from someone who hasn't seen a different version i feel like maybe first person would have helped to get a little more like you get a lot of their emotions, but it's sort of told to you, I feel like, as opposed to experiencing them. And I don't know that that's always necessarily a bad thing, but I, I just think maybe it would have been cool to see it in first person and feel it a little more. 
and there were a lot of emotions to get through so you know maybe maybe not but yeah that's just an interesting critique to me because like when I think of writing style it's not so much like what I don't know when I think about my like giving writing style my my rating a lot of what I think about is are things that take me out of the reading as being things that I Mm -hmm. don't like about the writing style like things the author does and make me go like, ew, that was worded weird and it made me think about how mm-hmm. I'm reading a book instead of just enjoying mm-hmm. the story, you know? And I didn't get a lot of that with her. I gave her this a four for writing style because I felt like it was better than average. There really were very few places where I ever felt taken out of the story by the writing. Um, and a side note, I really appreciated how she did texting because I feel like everyone does really texting do. a different way when they are writing about people texting. Like there's different ways to do it. And I just really appreciated how she did it because it felt like it was part of the story instead of I was looking at like a weird screenshot. Hey, can I just real quick say that as a writer who's had to have texting be like a large part of some of the story, it's really annoying that we don't have a like set way that you're supposed to do texting i hate that writing style i gave it a four you gave it a four we liked the writing style i think my only critique was the and it wasn't even necessarily a critique it was more of a sort of like this would be interesting if was the point of view thing the one other thing that i can think of that actually was like eh, was i was a little confused on who was the oldest for a lot of the book and like at what ages like oh, I, I agree didn't with realize that, that um, Maya is fifteen. I didn't know she was fifteen until the end of the book, and I don't know that just threw me out. Well, I wasn't confused on their ages necessarily. I was confused on oh, like, yeah, their too. hierarchy, like because Grace mm-hmm. acts like the older sister, and so she sometimes acts but older than older. Joaquin. But all of them, yeah. But they're all only like a by month. But that like, confused me because you know, like, it takes nine months to have a child, and they all have the same mom. So they're all at least nine months apart, but like, yeah, but like, I'm pretty sure that like Grace and Maya yeah, are like less. But than I, a year but apart. see, I didn't, I don't know. And then like Joaquin and Grace think are maybe like yeah. a little over a year apart, so they're all under two years apart because Joaquin is like, yeah, turns eighteen at the end of the book while Maya is still fifteen, so they're all like one in some mm-hmm. months or something apart. You know. Yeah. They're all really close in age. Yeah, They're and all then, and then the Maya's other sister, who's not biologically related to her, is like literally like a few months younger than her or something ridiculous. Yeah, because they brought Maya home and literally like three months yeah. later, their mom got pregnant. So they are really, yeah, like um, 11 months apart. I was super off yeah. my estimate. I don't know what I was thinking. Uh, I said three. It's probably more 11. Whatever. I think my thing was I was thinking Maya was older than she was the whole time. Like, in my head, well, she Well, because does. she puts on the yeah, tough right. girl act. She puts on this, like, you can't mess with me act that makes her seem yeah. older, but she's really 15. Yeah, that's true. And because she actually yeah. is a big sister because she has a little sister, Lauren. And so even though she's the youngest of those siblings, which is part of, like, the thing she goes through is, like, learning to accept help from people older than her. But... She is the oldest with Lauren. So she has that like big sister thing, (laughs) you know, the way that we are. For sure. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like she has taken care of others her whole life 
in a way that Joaquin and Grace haven't because Joaquin was in foster care and yeah. Grace was yeah. an only child. So, so yeah, writing style four. Memorability, I gave a 3.5. I don't know that I will be thinking about this years down the road, but I do know this is the kind of book that other people will probably have been thinking about years down the road. Like, I don't think that I had the sort of personal connection to the content to make it something that I will think about for years, but I think it's still important to have, and I think that's perfectly valid that other people are going to have different experiences related to that so um i was really torn between a three and a four for memorability (laughs) and i settled i know and i don't do i don't do the halvesies um so i gave it a three for memorability i finally settled on a three just because i think i'm a little caught up in the i just finished it i mean like it's the most recent thing i've read so i'm gonna think about it forever but if i take a step back i think this is a book that like when I look at the cover, I'm always going to be like, I liked that book. You know, like when it pops up somewhere, I'm going to be like, I have a positive connotation with that book. I don't necessarily think I'm going to remember details. And to me, that's like a three. A three is like, I remember reading it and I remember that I liked it, but I can't necessarily yeah. tell you anything about it two years I from now. I think that I gave it a, th- more, a little bit more than a three because I'm going to remember it as I'm going to remember when I see that author's name again that I like something by Robin Binway, I'm going to say, oh, mm, I like this person's other book, so maybe I should read this one. And I also think that, like, I'm going to think of it as a good example of a book that deals with, like, teen pregnancy in a really compassionate way. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I don't know. I think the other, like, the only other thing I can think of that, like, piece of media I can think of that I've read that deals with teen pregnancy without making it something, like, tragic or shameful or whatever is like Andy Mac and Marcy. I talk about Andy Mac all the time. And it's not a book. It's a Disney Channel TV show. But Yeah, I've heard so, so much about Andy Mac. I just think a it's show so I will neat never watch. That the main character like finds out that the person she thought was her sister is actually her mom and that there's a character who had a child when she was really young with a guy that she wasn't married to and doesn't marry like until very place whatever like i just thought that was really neat and that was really cool to show kids and so i cite that as one other thing that shows like child pregnant like child pregnancy no teen pregnancy without shaming it or without making the mom out to be like irresponsible or like um bad for not being able to take care of the child at a young age you know what i mean yeah, I always swing back and forth with books about teen pregnancy because as someone who like wants to go into healthcare and who has actually spent time with young who I would yeah. consider girls who are pregnant, it's really hard. And as someone who's really interested in public health and women's health, specifically as a public health concern, you're always thinking reduce teen pregnancy, reduce teen pregnancy, reduce teen pregnancy. But you have to be able to balance preventing teen pregnancy with being supportive of women who have already been teen moms and yeah. who have made the decision to keep their babies or have made the decision to give their babies up or whatever. Um, and it's just like a really delicate line to walk between not making it sound easy because you never want to make it sound easy. It's not. Because you always, I mean, yeah. it's not. <laughs> And it's not something we want for our teenagers. Yeah. You know, like 
ultimately um but also being respectful of the women who have like that's their story and that's their life and they've they're not bad people because of it they're not irresponsible they're not sluts or whatever you know um and I thought that book basically what I'm saying is I thought this book did that really well like not glorifying it like it's not like MTV 16 and pregnant whatever what was that Um, show was that what that show was there were so many Teen. that I'm not sure I know what you're talking about. Because that show there definitely was, glorified um, it in a weird way. And, like, yeah. took advantage of those girls as, like, being Are you talking about the one that's, like, reality you know? TV? Yeah, that's what, I think that's what it was yeah. called. 16 Pregnant. Yeah. When in reality, yeah. like, it's, it's really not easy. hard. <laughs> and it's not something I've ever been through. But... I'm glad I didn't because it seems like really mm-hmm. hard. Anyway, I'm glad the book dealt with it in a realistic way. It was very compassionate without being shaming. Like it didn't shy mm-hmm. away from the pain of it. Especially with her having to um but it never put her child up for adoption. Mm-hmm. It didn't because I think a lot of times when people see girls that keep their baby, they're like, How dare they keep their baby? Well, it's yeah. like that's their baby. Like there's an emotional connection there, and I think that this book actually acknowledges that. Well, and also that that hard. emotional connection is there, and that you're not a monster if you do give up your or you do put your child up for adoption. Like, because that's the exactly. whole thing. Is Grace is like she's worried that people are gonna think that it was horrible of her to give um, a child who she calls Peach uh, to another family, but she thinks that at the time, like this is the right choice for the child so like there's that balance there too in the book i think um and speaking of that that moves us into believability yeah i gave it a four would you give it i also gave it a four because that's we literally are thinking we really the exact are. same thing about this book but yeah so. i thought the characters acted like people i thought they acted like teenagers uh maya acts out <laughs> several times in the ways that only a 15 year old can um yeah the ways that are unique and yeah. special to a 15 year old girl um and like, there were and there maya were several acts. instances with <laughs> maya and joaquin where i was like why are you doing this but then i was like well it's because you're hurting and you're a teenager and don't know what else to do so like believable for sure i think um unfortunately the gross like antagonistic characters reactions were also believable my only like docking points for believability like the reason i didn't give it a five really were sometimes getting confused about their ages and like sometimes getting confused about like how long Mm -hmm. they'd known each other like passage of time was hard for me um essentially is the only reason i because believability is about like suspension of disbelief too like feeling sucked into the story and sometimes I'd be like, wait, what? How long has passed since X happened? And that was like, you know, and that's um, one that could have been fixed relatively easily, just like throwing in every now and then how long it's been, you know. So that's not like a sort of yeah, I agree. plot shattering critique or anything. Yeah. Well, and the other thing is that I think that they bonded mm-hmm. really, really fast, which they went through some stuff mm-hmm. to bond them really fast, but I think they bonded maybe just like a tad faster than most people would have bonded, even knowing that they were siblings. Um, because the book only takes place over a six yeah. month time period. It just, they grew a lot mm-hmm. in six months. Like 
more than I think most people do, which maybe it's just because they were all going through really difficult times in their life and you're forced to grow. Well, and also think about like six months for a 15 year old. That's halfway to 16. Oh my God. It's so long. Six months. You're right. Is a lot when you were 15. So there's that. But yeah, I thought it was believable. Yeah. Um, can we just, this is not necessarily related directly to believability, but, uh, fuck Max. I thought you were going to say that and I'm glad you did because I'm mad about him. I'm mad about him as a person. I'm mad that yeah, he's super yeah, realistic. That's what made me the angriest. Like that's how teen boys be. Oh my God. The oh conversation God. with the parents. Yeah, I literally have written down. Like Max, Max has, has a, a future. future. Oh he's my God. He's a good girl now. Oh my God. I mean, he's with a so good mad. girl now. I'm so angry. Die. Like the fact that, um, and you can take this out if you think it's too many spoilers, but like the fact that he gets to be homecoming king while she's literally giving birth. Okay, yeah. It's in the first no, chapter. like that makes me so angry, especially because I know guys that have been like that from high school. Like, I know through my best friend who knows the girl, these girls that have been, have given birth while they were in high school. And the, like, the fathers are just, they're not affected by it. Nothing happens to them. They can just keep living their life. And that's just, I mean, at the end of the day, that's just how we have socialized boys to be. Like, they're not expected to be there for their kid. They have, there's, they have no physical connection to them. And so they get to just dick off and do whatever they want. Like, angry. It makes me angry. I was very, I was, I was livid. Livid. Um, Livid. I just hate it. And, like, the fact that, like, he, like, his friend, his best friend oh, yeah. makes fun of Grace for something that, in my oh, mind, for he sure. did. Yeah, that she's the one that gets bullied for this thing that he 100% was involved in. And, like, he doesn't, he doesn't get that. So, all of those ratings together, for me, comes down to a 3.79 Mine is a 3.67. Pretty close. So our cumulative average is a 3.73. And what is it on Amazon and Goodreads? Let's check. Uh, 4.3 is Amazon's. No, sorry, is Goodreads Um, with 20,000 ratings. But to be fair, Amazon's, I keep saying Amazon's, our ratings are a little less inflated because of the fact that our system is different. Yeah, no, our ratings are definitely less inflated. So, because it's a we the overall scores are three point seven three, which is like mm-hmm. better than average, which is what this book was. Yeah. It was better, it's than, better average. than average. I enjoyed it. Like it, it was more than good, but it wasn't yeah insanely good. I will not cite this so. as life changing, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Enjoy it. So, overall, would you recommend this book? Yes, I definitely would. I think. Yeah, I agree. There's actually probably like very few people I wouldn't recommend this book to. I feel like it's kind of a crowd pleaser because you get different perspectives. It's kind of funny. It's kind of heartwarming. Mm-hmm. It's like kind of heartwarming. There's a lot of <laughs> excuse me. It's very heartwarming. There you go. <laughs> it has a lot of different stuff going on, and I think basically I would just recommend this book to anyone who doesn't exclusively read like science fiction and fantasy. Yeah, I agree with that. I also would recommend it to anyone that is 
reads contemporary or is interested in reading contemporary, I think it was really good. I think it was a really good example of telling a story with multiple point of view characters and a story about like family and siblings that isn't just like, well, they're related to you by blood, so you can't have any issues with them ever. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I liked it. I thought it yeah. captured the sibling, even though I they agree. bonded a little quicker than maybe other people would. But So, yeah. I liked it. I agree. So, Gray, that ends our month of siblings. What is our next theme? Our next theme is adjacently related as growing up so marcy you get to pick the next book so what what have you got for us in the queue so the next book i have lined up is bone gap by laura ruby which is a book i've been wanting to read for like a long time and i just never have so i'm excited about it can can you tell us uh just just a little bit just maybe like what genre yeah so it is a young adult book which is a little bit different for me but <laughs> comfort zone. But it is also magical realism, which I'm really excited about. I also really like the cover art for this book. Like, I'm not going to lie. That's a lot of what drew me to it. So. Hey, marketing, marketing works. Yeah, no, I agree. Awesome. We got any house cleaning to do before we leave? Um, Just once again, I feel like you should probably talk a little bit about the big literary thing going on in your life. Oh. Hi there, everyone. My name is Great Bola, or my full name is Michael Great Bola, if we're getting serious. And the funny thing about me is that I have a book coming out um, on September 10th, which, now that I'm thinking of it, when does this episode air? This episode is going to air two days before your book comes out. If you're listening to this episode right as it comes out in two days, that is when my book will be released. And you can pre-order by going to bit.ly slash letters, all caps, dash, pre-order. Or you can just Google Letters to the Home by Michael Graybola. That's me. Um, Gray with an A. And then B-U-L-L-A is my name. I had a stroke trying to spell that. Um, if you're listening to this not when it comes out, you can still get it. You just- can get it at Barnes & Noble, too. Um, it's on Amazon. Down, Barnes and Noble, Amazon. Um, Amazon's been doing this really fun and quirky thing where it's been sending my book to people before it's been released. So if you buy it right now, you might get it before you're supposed to. So that's kind of fun. <laughs> I don't know why they're doing that, but they're kind of leaking my book a little. So whatever. Where can the um, people find you on social media, Gray? Oh, people can find me on social media on Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr at Graybola, G R A Y B U L L A, all one thing. And then we have a Twitter for bookends as well. Oh, we sure do. That's new. Yeah, you can come hang out with us on Twitter. Um, we are bookend siblings, like bookend and then siblings. It looks like books, bookends, siblings, but that's not what it is. Um, you can come hang out with us there. We talk about the things that we're doing. We talk about the books that we're going to be reading, keep you updated, etc. Yeah, so pre-order my book. It's poetry. Um, it's very personal. There are poems yeah, about Marcy in it. Yeah, if you read it, it, you will know so much about our childhood, our adolescence. You will know so much about our family. us. The cover is a All vintage of picture of our mom. 
Yeah, the cover is literally a photo of our mom. Um, so if you're just nosy, I recommend buying it. I'm pretty nosy, so I think I would buy my own book if it was someone else's. So I definitely think that you should buy my book. <laughs> as a as a non-partial um as a third party. party member. As a third party, I think you should buy my book. Um yeah. So thank yeah. you for listening to our podcast. I think that'll do it for us. Um make sure to pick up Bone Gap by what is her name? Pause. Make sure to pick Laura. up Bone Gap by Laura Ruby. That will be our next book. Um that episode opposite. Episode. <laughs> that episode will be released on the 22nd of September. So that's kind of your deadline if you want to read along with us. As always, we try and keep it spoiler free so you don't feel like you have to. But yeah, you can if you, you want. You could just come hang out with us if you don't want to read it. Get our review before you read it. Please um, rate and subscribe and share with your friends. Um, it helps us out a lot. Talk about us. Talk about how much you liked our podcast or how much you didn't like it. Negative attention is still attention. Oh my god, that was my song. Cool. All right. So, how did we end did you like my song? last time? Did you like my song? I did like your song. Thank you. Like I said, any attention is good attention. Anyways, how did we? End? I think um, um, I can end with another song if you can't think of anything. Okay, go ahead. This is the end of our episode about